Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. What's cooking, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Nosebleeds, WFUV Sports Major League Baseball Podcast. Along with Will Talent and Matty Bimonte, I'm Colin Lochran. Thrilled to be with you on a crisp October morning. Postseason baseball is in full swing. Three teams have already punched their ticket to the championship series. A lot to get to. First, though, Will, how are you doing this morning? I'm doing great, Colin and Maddie. This has been a lot of fun watching some postseason baseball. I love it, even though my team is not there. It's still a lot of fun. A lot of big, big swinging in these games. A lot of big, fun home runs. Already have our ALCS still waiting on the NLCS, but I've been having a lot of fun watching these playoffs to start. I agree. I honestly thought going into this that I was going to be super bored um, because there was just nobody that I was really rooting for. But after I've been watching some of these games, especially the Phillies and Braves game last night, I was like Mm -hmm. really enjoying myself watching this playoff baseball like matchup. And, you know, I'm just excited to see who's getting the NLCS at this point because ALCS, like you said, is locked. But there's a lot still going on here in the NLCS. Am I wrong in saying that that Phillies-Braves series has been the best series of the postseason thus far? It's, got it's a little my bit favorite. It's got to be my favorite, hands down. Yeah, I, I would say it's probably been the best overall series to start, absolutely. It's got some drama, it's got some intrigue, mm-hmm. characters mm-hmm. you can root for in the story, so yeah. to speak, like Harper, Turner, a lot of storylines there. But I do want to start on the American League side of things because, as you guys alluded to, ALCS is confirmed. It will be the Astros in their seventh straight American League Championship Series taking on the Texas Rangers. I want to touch on the Rangers because this was a team that kind of sputtered towards the end of the season. They had to play in a wild card round. Never really a treat when you think that you could win your division and then just move on to the DS, but they got the job done against Tampa Bay, and then they took on a really young and spunky Orioles group and swept them in three games. Won the first game 3-2. Second game 11-8 wasn't as close as the score says it was. Last game they won by a score of 7-1. So this Rangers team's getting hot at the right time, Maddie. And for me, it's about their power and the experience that that pitching staff has, specifically guys like Nate Avaldi or even Jordan Montgomery for that matter. I think it definitely came down to pitching with this, and it's the difference between the Orioles and the Rangers. I think the Orioles were just out of their league going up against the Rangers. Like They had no real starting pitching a lot of injuries in their offense. Like, they just didn't have the same momentum, I think, as the Rangers did going into this. You know, Seager was great homering. Garcia also homered. Like, to me, looking at this matchup, it was just clearly that the Orioles were not ready to be a playoff team yet. And that's fine. But the Rangers obviously were able to maintain their pitching, maintain their hitting, and to me, it it wasn't even so much as, like, the Rangers were overpowering in terms of, like, what I would say, like, the Phillies are doing in, in terms of their gameplay. 
they just were just so much better than the Orioles. Just the Orioles are just not ready to compete at that level. Yeah, they're they're not quite there yet. I'm still kind of in shock that this team won 101 games this year. I am too. I think they're a year ahead, which is not a bad thing. You know, that's great. I wouldn't look at this season as a total failure for the Orioles whatsoever. They're going to be back. They're, they have their pieces in place, ready to go for next year. All, all that they really need to look at is how they're going to improve around. Where are these little minute holes that we have to plug? For the Rangers, though, they did exactly what I initially thought they would have to do to, in order to beat the Orioles. That was maintain their offense. You were saying, Colin, obviously they sputtered in August and September. Brutal mm-hmm. two-month of two-month stretch of baseball for the Texas Rangers. And they had to find their rhythm again. They found that against a 99-win team, Tampa Bay Rays, and they, ha- they had to continue that, and they did just that with Baltimore. They took the advantage of Baltimore having five days off. You have to think about that, or f- was it four, whatever. They played, the Rangers had a series under their belt. Baltimore had too much downtime under their belt. The Rangers rode that momentum and got themselves to the championship series. I'm excited. This is a Lone Star State championship series, and it's got this is a very intriguing matchup. It's it to me, it's like the seasoned veterans of the playoffs and the new guy, the new team put together to try to take down the evil empire, so to say, of the AL West, Houston Astros. Five days off for it's a long time, man. Yeah, it's a lot of time. Yeah, and. Even looking at it from a broad perspective in terms of the championship series and a potential World Series bid, Max Scherzer could be back yes. for the Rangers. Throwing, he was throwing the hitters the other day. I saw a clip of that. Even if he's not full-blown prime Max Scherzer, just having him around seems like a big deal, especially when your offense is that good. You combine a guy like Scherzer with an Evaldi, Dane Dunning, who I've been very impressed with this postseason, it's just a recipe for success, and with that, you could talk about Adolis Garcia, Jonah Himes of the world, people of this sort, but there's always that one guy that comes from out of the blue. This year, it's been Evan Carter. He's been out of his mind in this postseason. One home run, three RBIs, hitting 429 with a 619 on base percentage. You need performances like that if you're going to make a championship run. Bruce Bochy knows all about that, being a part of those Giants teams that he was basically leading the ship for. Look at 2018. The Red Sox get a tremendous performance from Steve Pierce. Evan Carter could be that type of guy for the Rangers going forward. It'll be fascinating to see if he holds up against a team like Houston that's been around the block. Let me throw a little comparison at you. Buster Posey, 2010, Bruce Bochy, manager. Rookie year, came in, did damage at the end of the season. Postseason run was magical. They end up winning three World Series together, Bochi and Posey. Not saying Bochi and, and Carter are gonna have the same effect, but it's kinda it's kind of interesting to watch a manager like Bruce Bochi be able to do this three years into retirement, then decides to come back and it's like he never missed a beat with what he had going on with those Giants teams. This Rangers team, they, they slug, and they 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 really, to me, feed off of the hitting is contagious kind of mo. They're all great hitters, but once one of them gets going, it, it's like a domino effect. Mm-hmm. It, they just all really get going. And I want to say something to your Max Scherzer comment as well because. We saw Verlander go out and pitch six scoreless mm-hmm. innings in um, Houston. And so I, I think when you then bring back up the Max Scherzer idea of where I felt he didn't do as good as Verlander in like the regular season when he was with the Mets, he still like is Max Scherzer at the end of the day. So there always is that potential for him to go out and pick 
uh, pitch six shutout innings or something like that in in if he wants to start another game. So I think their pitching to me has been very impressive. And you know, yes, there was like an eleven eight game, and obviously you can't speak to pitching in that. But if you're able to have your hitting, like we've mentioned, back up that pitching, there's literally nothing that can stop this team. This team hits just incredibly. Like, there is no real weak spot to me on this team right now after I saw this Orioles matchup. And maybe that's just because they played the Orioles, who to me were looking to be like the weaker of the matchups. I still think that, you know, this team has been great. And going into the Astros series, I don't think it's going to be like a, a sweep. I don't think it's going to no. be like everybody's done with this one. No, this series is going to be well, well fought out, yeah. I'd say, because it's going to there. The Rangers slugging to me is going to take a little bit of a hit. We'll still see it. But the Astros are seasoned, man. They, mm-hmm. they are seasoned. They will find a way to at least halt this Rangers lineup in any way that they can. And I would say better than anybody, any one of the teams in the American League playoff field, if anyone can hold the Rangers off, it would be the Houston Astros. Not just because they play in the same division, just because, or also because they know how to play in October. It's a totally different animal. I mean, think think of the Mets right now. Mm -hmm. Verlander versus Scherzer. How awesome would that be to see? I really hope that Scherzer comes back. Like I was saying before, I saw a video of him throwing against hitters. I think it was off the mound at uh, Camden Yards, but... um, he looked fine. He looked like he's he like wants to go. Like he's ready and he's ramping up to get going. And the perfect segue from you both there because the Houston Astros are heading to their seventh straight. Unbelievable. Yes, Unbelievable. I, yeah. The second time I've said it on this podcast, but it's just so impressive mm-hmm. to me that they've been able to stay this good for this long. Mm-hmm. Of course, they handled the Minnesota Twins. The Twins did win one game in the series thanks to a stellar performance from Pablo Lopez. I do have to point that out. Mm-hmm. Seven innings of scoreless baseball, seven strikeouts, only gave up six hits, which against an Astro team that is stacked top to bottom, pretty impressive in my mind. But it became clear at a certain point this is still the Astros. Like, yeah, they struggled for the majority of the regular season trying to stay at the top of the AL West, but when you have Alex Bregman and Jordan Alvarez and your pitching includes guys like Jose Arquiti or even Framber Valdez who struggled against Minnesota and Justin Verlander, of course, you're going to be competitive when it matters most. And you know what? We were talking last week about this because this is the one series that we were almost like dead on with in which I thought there was going to be at least the blowout win from um, Minnesota, right. mm-hmm. but they got the one win that I said they, they were going to get on the road too. On the which was crazy right? because again, it just goes back to Lopez and just like how good and and also Carlos Correa. We got to mention because we said it was going to be Carlos Correa's game to do damage against his former team, and you know he had what eight hits in like fifteen at bats. Yeah, he like was the, phenomenal. He was phenomenal. So you know he had. Th- Three hits, two doubles, three RBIs in that game. Exactly what we said. It was going to be a Carlos Correa game. But then you have to go back to what the Astros are doing right. Altuve was, like, hitting at... Because last season he was, like, 0 for 20-something, like, to start the playoffs. He was not hitting at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And he had... um, He's, like, leading in, like, home runs now in the post... Well, he's not leading in postseason home runs. He's, like second all-time or something like i think it's yeah what is he at 28 20 is it 28 or 26 i think i think it might be 28 actually it's something like that but he also just looked good um out there and then you know you talk about last night's game where they win it um 
uh, and Abreu just, I, I like, I, it's like when you are able to sign people like that and you're able to actually take initiative as an organization and be like, yes, I'm going to go and acquire people like him on the off season. He has a two run home run in the fourth inning. Um, and it's just like you, the Astros just get good hitters. They yeah. just manage to find good hitters every single off season. Um, and he had eight RBIs across the series. So it, it, it's like hitting was so good for the Astros that they're they're like they're just like the Rangers in the sense that if somebody hits, the team is collectively pretty much hitting. Yeah. Or they're star hitters that pick up the weight for the rest of the team that can actually hit. And they did that. Um, and again, Minnesota, while being there, like to me, kind of like a, a dark horse kind of candidate always in the postseason. It's just the Astros, and it's their lucky number seven now, and it's it's hard to say that anybody else was going to go their way. I'll st- I'm going to stay on this hill until the day comes where the Astros are done. But they, I, this team will not be taken down until that this until this original core is done. Yeah, Altuve, Bregman, and Al- and Verlander are still there. You want to say Jordan and Tucker, sure, even though they came a little after. But those three that I mentioned first, as long as they are still there in the mix, this team will be very much in the mix in any postseason series that they play. That goes for next year, the year after, however long that the Astros have left in this run. Because we're honestly, say what you want about 2017, but we are really seeing something very remarkable mm-hmm. in baseball history. Obviously, we have a big cheating scandal that they come off of, probably one of the biggest ones that we've seen in a hundred years. But it's just so it's a shame because that will overshadow how impressive that this team is. They won another World Series. They've been to four of the last seven and seven straight American League Championship Series. That's where we're starting this conversation. They are grinders. This team is built of grinders. Jose Abreu is the like prime definition of that. Did not have the strongest of regular seasons that we've seen him have, but he goes in day in and day out. He reminded me a lot of how Gurriel would approach um his at-bats, the way that the way that he plays the game as well. They had to let him go. He's getting older. Abreu steps right in. I think that's, you know, they um the Astros are just so well constructed. It's going to be a very fun series. For me, it's very easy to look at the big moments, like any amount of Altuve's base hits or Jordan's home runs or a gem from Verlander. The thing that sticks out is the little things that the Astros have been able to do right. And two names that I want to throw out there as being critical to their run, Ryan Presley and Martin Maldonado. Presley mm. right now, mm-hmm. 40 and two-thirds innings career postseason work all with Houston ERA sitting at 2.43 on the postseason for that's a big sample size 40 innings of postseason baseball and that's different than 40 regular season innings in my mind absolutely Mm -hmm. combine that with someone like Martin Maldonado who by the way not a great framer in the first percentile in terms of framing according to baseball spot so he's not an elite framer it's not like a Trevino that the Yankees have been fortunate enough to have for the last year and change but what he does do, he serves as that kind of game manager behind the plate so that when you get different guys like a Jose Arquiti or a Framber Valdez that are trying to work their way into the system, as they did in 2020, 2021, they're able to do so. 
I think having that type of general behind the plate makes all the difference in the world. And having a guy like Presley, who, let's be honest, no one had heard of him before a couple of those postseason games against teams like the Yankees that had big power or like Tampa Bay in 2020 and the juggernaut that they were that season. So they do the little things right. And for me, this series is going to come down to can Texas be fine with making mistakes and then trying to come back? Because Texas is going to be prone to mistakes in this series in a way oh, that I don't 100%. think Houston will be. 100%. One of the other things that was interesting going into game three was the lineup changes for me because Dusty Baker switched his lineup because after the loss, he took initiative and was like, okay, something we got to switch it up here before the, and they win game three, albeit only one of the switches actually like produced a hit. But, um, I, I think it speaks to just Dusty Baker's kind of intelligence for this game and his and his skill leading this team of saying, okay, we're now tied this series. What are we going to do to make sure we absolutely win it? And he does that. He just is very adept with his team. And I think leadership speaks a lot to this series as well. Dusty Baker, a seasoned manager, to be in this position, he knows what he's doing, and it showed by what he was able to accomplish with this team so far. I both two things that you guys are pointing out that the Astros have done so much better than everybody in Major League Baseball to the point where it is trickling over into other franchises because as time goes on people move on and what I'm saying is that look at their personnel look at the personnel that we're pointing out they have as we were noting a huge cheating scandal have to do this huge teardown of their front office personnel, their on-field personnel. It was a mess. And they have still been able to culminate successful baseball, not just successful, but domination in Major League Baseball. They bring in Dusty Baker. I'm so happy for Dusty Baker, too. Mm -hmm. The fact that he's taken over this team in not the best of circumstances whatsoever and has steadied the ship for them and has continued their run it's been it's very nice to see dusty baker um succeed but ryan presley as you were saying colin it's a brent strom product their former pitching coach who was now with arizona look at their pitching now um and the other team i was referring to before is the baltimore orioles their general manager mark elias came from the houston front office that saw these multiple 100 plus sometimes in certain seasons 110 plus lost seasons so the way that they run their front office and their personnel they they just they know how to produce champions they it's just it's been remarkable and that's where they have the edge over Houston as you were saying Colm they're not going to be as prone to mistakes this is where I'm going to be very intrigued with Texas is Texas going to be able to put those hard swings on the ball when Houston needs to make those big pitches and vice versa who is going to outshine who that's where I think Houston edges them Houston will know how when and where to make certain pitches to make certain things happen in these games. And that's that's where I see them having the edge. I, I really do. Not going to put anyone on the spot in terms of predictions. Game one will take place Sunday, October 15th in Houston. Time to be determined. On the National League side of things, Maddie, as I look at your hat that is making me sad <laughs> this morning, the Dodgers were swept by the Arizona Diamondbacks. For me... This series was off to the wrong start from the word go. 
for the Dodgers, that is. Clayton Kershaw in game one pitched one-third of an inning, gave up six hits, six earned runs, couldn't strike anybody out. For someone such as myself that has defended Clayton Kershaw for so long, to see this type of performance, and then you got Bob Costas as the play-by-play guy, basically putting salt in the wound, saying this might be the way. Yeah, Bob, I think it might be. He got one out. I can't say as though I've ever seen him be that bad. And from there, the series was never quite the same. Combine that with the fact that the what I would say is probably the best one-two regular season punch in the regular season, and Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman went one for 21, I believe it is. That can't happen if you want to win postseason games. It just can't. And all the credit in the world to Diamondbacks mm-hmm. because Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, these guys played extremely well. They pitched extremely well. You look at their hitters, too. Moreno, Corbin Carroll. The casual baseball fan who hasn't been paying attention was really caught off surprise. And the baseball savant or baseball guru that watches every game was equally surprised because of who they beat. Yeah. I'd like to open this with an apology. I (laughs) (laughs) publicly bashed the Diamondbacks organization last week. (laughs) Therefore, I am wearing a Diamondbacks hat today in penance for my mean words and comments about Chase Field. (laughs) And I feel bad. Um, But you know what? When we talk about game one, because I think game one was like the most shocking of the games to me going into it, because I've never been the biggest like Clayton Kershaw fan, but I know like at the end of the day, Clayton Kershaw like has promise and talent. That was Bob was right. The worst and shortest start of his 16 year career. (laughs) And you flip that going into this game. Kelly was 0-11 with, like, a 5-plus ERA against the Dodgers going into this game. <laughs> and just won. And I don't know how stuff like this happens, really. Like, it's just kind of a shock to me when, when things go on like this. Um, obviously, like, you can talk about Corbin Carroll all you want. Tommy Pham getting in there in the first game, which was also really awful to see for me. Um <laughs> But Corbin Carroll, like, as this NL Rookie of the Year, which he is 100% going to be, he has just, like, electrified this Diamondbacks team in terms of bringing in youth and, like, freshness to this team, which I feel like has been stale for so long. And you're facing a, a, a juggernaut like the Dodgers, who just, like, their starters just were not good. And this goes into the thing um, that we're, we're falling back on with, like the Orioles, if your starting pitching's not good, there's no way your hitters are going to be up to support what you can do, like, period. Um, and then, what was it? Then Miller, like, um, when he pitched, he it was like a combined 40 ERA between the first two games between him and Kershaw, um, which is the worst starter's ERA over that span in postseason history. Wow. So, pitching has just been ridiculously horrendous for the Dodgers and and then you then you talk about the two guys that are supposed to lead your team just can't do anything if you're if your team is just down automatically like it's not like a a Phillies type scenario where they can really pick themselves up the Phillies are really the only team I've seen that are like if they're really down they can somehow manage to scramble back up Dodgers were dead in the water the second the pitching fell apart and there was nothing that they could do about it yeah 
I you know the pitching it's oh it's the pitching this year but every year it's always something and yeah. I, I can't really put my finger on it most of the time this year is definitely the pitching it they just they didn't have it and it was kind of shocking because in the second half, they really weren't that bad. They got Lance Lynn, and they kind of transformed his season. Oh, I'm going to get to him. <laughs> I'm going to get to him in a minute. Okay. <laughs> He's gearing up. He's He wants to talk about Lance Lynn, and I don't blame you, man. What what was that yesterday? We'll, we'll get to that. But they they never have it. They just never have it, and it's so shocking. They, they're a regular season juggernaut. The Diamondbacks, no discredit to them whatsoever, but they're hot at the right time. They are not as talented as the Dodgers by any means. They were hot at the right time. They pushed the right buttons and they won the games they needed to win. That is pretty much how the series went. And they did it in grand style, as simple as you can do it. One, two, three, out the door you go. So that's really what I have to say to that is that that's just baseball. They, it was a baseball series. It's just what happens sometimes. I don't think what the Dodgers were doing was playing baseball. No, and they were. <laughs> well, what I mean, I mean what, what, what I were... mean is that anything is possible. Really, baseball is the Fair. definition of that. The Diamondbacks won 84 games this year and swept the number two seed. Just see you later. The Dodgers always win 100 games. They always win 100 games and always get bounced. But sometimes the little man wins. So they're in down baseball. 2-0 in this series, right? And you got Lance Lynn going in Game 3. Lance Lynn is not a superstar pitcher. He's not prime Kershaw or prime Scherzer. But you kind of said to yourself, he's serviceable. He could get you four and two-thirds or five innings. He goes two and two-thirds, gives up four home runs and six hits. The long ball has always been Lynn's problem. And for me, this goes back to Dave Roberts and the strategy that they chose to go to for this series. Four runs in the same inning. Which is unbelievable. <laughs> it's, I had so much fun watching that. that. In there. I, I wasn't looking forward to maybe writing about a World Series team at all, no. But Lance Lynn giving up four home runs when you had Emmett Sheehan, who could have started a game cleanly. He had to come in relief after the Kershaw disaster. Someone like Bobby Miller, who they went back and forth on whether or not he was going to start in the postseason for what felt like the duration of August and September, mm-hmm. to then finally, oh no, he's going to start, but it was only after the worst-case scenario happened. You lost Julio Rios because of his own stupidity. Walker Bueller is not back yet. That would have really changed the complexion of this season had they had Walker Bueller in my estimation. Definitely. He is a Cy Young caliber pitcher. There's no doubt about that. I don't think we've seen his ceiling yet, even after injury, personally. And then you didn't count on Kershaw being as bad as he was. So when you see Lance Lynn give up four home runs, it just goes back to the strategy. And part of it is you had all these guys that could have pieced something together pitching-wise, and you chose to go with a kind of old-school approach and that you were hoping for five innings from Lynn when you knew you weren't going to get that. It was doubtful you were going to get more than five from Kershaw. So I have to wonder where Dave Roberts' head was at for this. And, of course, none of it really matters because the offense didn't show up at all, which is probably the most frustrating part this morning if you're a Dodger fan. The one thing that you thought wouldn't really affect you, ended up affecting you because your superstars didn't show up. So when Mookie goes on his podcast during this offseason, <laughs> I think he should remember how poorly he and Freddie Freeman played in this postseason because they were talking recently about how, oh, it was him and J.D. Martinez, actually. The vibe in L.A. is so much different than Boston or Philly or New York. 
Yeah, it's much different because you guys are going to get swept in this series. It's more chill. It's more chill. It's more chill. That was sad. I'm not very chill this morning about this outcome. <laughs> so I hope they remember this. I hope they use it going forward for their sake because it's not a good look for an organization that has been so successful in the regular season to then just completely lose any semblance of competitiveness in the postseason. It's like wa- watching the series to me was – it was weird because I, like – I watched this – this Dodgers team, like year in and year out, just lead the their division, just lead everything. And every single year I look at them and say, are they really that good? Like every single year, I really have to look at it. And then finally this year comes along where I can be like, no, they really aren't that good. Something has just gone completely wrong in this organization. And like, there's no, there's like literally no excuses that this team can make at this point that you know, your stars don't show up. Your stars were predicted to be in the running for NL MVP. There is no reason why they shouldn't be there. And that's why I don't know if it's an organizational issue, but you're right. There's something off in terms of mentality, yeah. perhaps, because I think Andrew Friedman is one of the best minds in baseball, and you can put together a great spreadsheet team. But when October comes, you need it. The Phillies right now, have they it. have it. The 86 yeah. Mets had it. The mm-hmm. Yankees in the 90s had it. The Dodgers don't have any of it. So um, an unfortunate day for anyone that was hoping the boys in blue would pull it out. Congratulations to the Diamondbacks. <laughs> They're going to the NLCS. The other series we do have to talk about, and for me this is the most interesting one, the Phillies and the Atlanta Braves. Mm. Mm. Philly now up 2-1 to one in the series after a huge Game 3 win at Citizens Bank Park, and you just knew that it was going to be a hard place for the Braves to win. I didn't think it was going to be quite this hard. Philly won 10-2. Bryce Harper staring down Orlando Arce after the attaboy Harper comments. Philly's They're just done. special right They're, now. I, I'm sorry to cut you off for that, but they are so the Braves are so done after that, and everyone who is overreacting about what Bryce Harper did in Game 2, it's hysterical. Are we joking? It was a bomb to the warning track. <laughs> Michael Harris had to make an Sports Center top 10 catch, which he did, in order for Bryce Harper to be doubled up. Bryce Harper was the tying run if he, and his past second base. If Michael Harris doesn't make that catch. Bryce Harper scores and ties that game. Michael Harris made one of the best catches of his life, mm-hmm. and Bryce Harper gets doubled up. The Braves and Orlando Arcia have exactly what is coming to them. They just got blown out. <laughs> yes. Yes. And they are going to lose and be eliminated after winning 104 games because the Braves cannot go let alone win. They can't win, let alone go to the World Series when they are MLB's top dogs. Well, and they were, the t- they were talking about this on the broadcast, uh, a lot of the analysts, and it was Pedro Martinez who said this in particular. He was like, dude, like, leave this stuff when the cameras can't hear you. It's not difficult. Seriously. They, like, <laughs> you just gave them the biggest, like, fuel to the fire that they needed for this going into this series. Like, when you when you say stuff like that, like, he's going to know. Pedro Martinez said everybody has a phone nowadays. There is somebody recording everything you say in that clubhouse, and they did that. Game one, Glee, just 
dancing around my living room as I find out that the Atlanta Braves offense shut out for, I believe, the third time all season. So really they, yes it was the wow third time i didn't know all that season they had been shut wow. out um better yet spencer strider just getting ripped apart by a bryce harper home run there was so much more that i could talk about but there's one thing in particular i do want to bring up and it has to do with game two and it has to do with max freed because i don't understand what the path for Max Freed looks like right now. And that's because of his injuries. I don't buy that this guy is truly healthy. I really don't buy into this because he took seven batters to get through that first inning mm. in the second game. You look at how many times he's missed 95 games this season, been on the IL three times. He started the last time before this was September 21st. I just can't figure out why the Braves had so much confidence in this guy to go make a start in the postseason when you're already down a game. You get shut out the first game, and then they decide to use him instead of somebody else. And I don't know if that was just a desperation move by the Braves or what it was, but it's clear to me that Max Fried's not healthy, and he's not going to be healthy for a period of time because of everything that's going on with him. And this is not a new scenario because then you look at 2022 in his last start and he was like throwing up in a bucket in the dugout. Like he's not been healthy for a very long long time. And to me he just he just looked awful in that game too and I have to wonder pitching wise what are the Braves like thinking and doing with this scenario? Max Reed's had a couple of rough years, it sounds like, <laughs> from has. the blister to throwing up in a bucket a year ago. I just keep coming back to the Phillies. Like, I know I should be mm -hmm. talking about how the Braves are just imploding mm -hmm. right now, because let's be honest, they are imploding to one extent or another, and why wouldn't you? Yeah. You were baseball's top dog. You won all of these regular season games, 104 games. That's hard to do. I don't care who you are. And now you're losing to basically the city of Philadelphia. I don't think I've ever seen a baseball team that has embodied the identity of its city more than these Phillies mm -hmm. are doing right now. The only thing in history that I can kind of compare it to is the old school Brooklyn Dodgers. That was very much about community and, you know, they were your neighbors. Guys like Pee Wee Reese, Ralph Branca, they were in your neighborhood. The Phillies are kind of the same commodity right now. Look at a guy like Trey Turner. Mm -hmm. He struggled profusely to begin the season and the fans rallied around him it was kind of this old school approach of no it's Bryce Harper it's Turner it's Castellanos it's the boys that are here to play and win for a championship play for a championship excuse me I don't think I've seen that before and you had Ranger Suarez who everyone doubted I doubted yet above a four ERA this year goes out and pitches a pretty effective game one in Atlanta and now you're seeing guys like Michael Lorenzen being used in bullpen situations after the guy threw, I believe, a perfect game or no-hitter. No hitter. No it hitter. was no-hitter in the bands. No yep. And it was a great no-hitter. And now he's in the bullpen and being used effectively. And that was something Philly was concerned about was, do we have the bullpen pieces to hold up against a team like Atlanta in late-game situations? And now they're using their starters. So I would be terrified to go to Citizens Bank Park if I was the Braves for this game four or if I was the Diamondbacks for that matter. Makes that trade uh, with the uh, 
Where'd he come from? The Tigers? Yeah, it makes that trade look even better for them because he was an all-star relief pitcher, talking about Michael Lorenzen, and mm-hmm. then becomes this starter. Actually, no, he had a, he started a majority of this year, but he had he had uh, been a, an effective reliever with other teams in the past, and now it's, it's a role that he's comfortable with. And just like I said, it makes that trade look even better for the Phillies because he's um, versatile, and it's uh, versatile pitchers are extremely valuable. They kind of go overshadowed a little bit because they're not as common but to what you were saying maddie about max freed yeah he looked terrible he, he really did he looked awful and it's kind of been a recurring theme with him where he just kind of um he gets injured a lot he always puts up great regular season numbers but he just can't stay healthy and it's unfortunate. I think what the Braves are doing, to answer your question, they're just trying to get their ace out there. That, that's their guy. He he will go out there and give you an effective start, even if he's not like in all in one piece, you know. But it does make it tough, especially when you get down to this point in the season. He's got he's already had plenty of wear and tear from the first six months. Let's play another month here, at least, and just more wear and tear. So it, it's it's unfortunate to see such a good pitcher and the, the leader of a staff not be able to just keep it all together. See, I don't want to put it all on the pitching, though, because this team... No, it's the, not. It's not. No. Just Max Freed in general. Oh, well, Max Freed different. Because he's such a great pitcher. Just him as, as his own thing. The entire Braves roster, this has just been unfathomable for the season that they put up they had the highest ops plus in the post integration era and you get shut out in game one at home that can't happen yeah and you know what this going into this series too like as a mets fan there was really like no right way to go about this season (laughs) but let me just say i've never been happier for the phillies like just never never been better to see them and to be even further bryce harper who i was who I saw as my villain for years and years as a Mets fan has just impressed so much as a leader that there is truly no other leader in Major League Baseball like him in my mind. I think he leads his team um, with such just like calmness for the Phillies because the Phillies are pretty like rambunctious when I look at them as a team. But he is like that guiding presence for them as a leader, understands, you know, where the team is coming from, is a great motivator, and he is constantly performing in these postseason games. Like, he had the three-one shot in uh three-run shot in game three, um, and then hit another home run later in the game as well. Like he is just out there hitting consistently. And the Braves just can't keep up with the Phillies hitting, which has just been very impressive. Um, and and I just can't, like, I can't speak to it because it's like the Braves play in the NL East with the Phillies. And we've seen the NL East. I'm not going to sit here and say the NL East is good. It's not good. Had three playoff teams this year, though. Yes, but when you're looking at other teams in there, like the Mets um, and the comparison that the Braves fans were making like all season being like oh my god these other teams are so washed like we're just so good all the stuff that the like they do this all the time they do this all the time and they got their comeuppets and this is this is exactly what the Braves do literally like literally season in and season out there was like um like when you just compare it to like Zach Wheeler coming out against the Braves and pitching and just 
the domination of the Phillies pitching as well now that we've seen with the built-out bullpen and we've seen with these great starters with Aaron Nola. Like, there is, to me, there is just so much good pitching from the Phillies now that the Braves hitting can't just even get there at this point. The Phillies have really hammered the one-two punch. Zach Wheeler and, and Aaron Nola in the postseason are have been incredible for the yeah. last two years. It's been very fun to watch. Aaron Nola, to be honest, I, I, I've never really been too high on him. But when it comes to the postseason, he he's one of those kinds of players that just has that other gear. Not every player has that other gear. Aaron Nola, he finds it, and he gives you not just a good start, but a great start every time, for the most part, when he is out there. So this Phillies team, like you said before, Colin, they have it. These t- This team has it. Um, they they have a spark and watching Bryce Harper as you were saying Maddie not just become this leader but from when he was 15 watching this journey that he's his baseball journey like this is Bryce Harper in a way is like the LeBron James of this generation for baseball in terms of hype nobody in Major League Baseball right now had the kind of hype that Bryce Harper had when before he even got drafted. And now to see him overcome a lot in his career, overcoming this narrative of him being this cocky, young, fired-up player, which he was. He toned down. He brings this sense of calmness. He's really, like, come into his own and has matured. And it's been it's been incredible to watch. And his maturing as a superstar plays a lot into the success of this Philadelphia Phillies team right now. So far in this postseason, Harper with three home runs, five RBIs, a three fifty three average, and on-base percentage sitting at five hundred on the dot. Game four is tonight. Spencer Strider taking on Ranger Suarez. Just for some context here, Suarez last time out, three and two-thirds innings, one hit, four strikeouts. I like Philly to close it out. Here. I do too. This, I do too. this is where I mm-hmm. will put you guys on the spot because it is a big game for. I think all they have all the momentum in the world going into this game. I think someone that's going to click at the right time, Alec Bohm. Mm. That's mm. who my money's on. Okay. Yeah. An RBI in the first inning, in game two, right? Yeah. He's he hasn't been too bad. Outside of the Harper stuff, Philly gets a lot of production from these guys that. Up until maybe last year, even Philly fans were kind of like, eh, like the narrative around Alec Bohm was not a good one. That until well. the postseason started. It was that whole, you know, this place sucks, don't want to be here, whatever. They rallied behind said. him, though. Right. The fans rallied. That's what makes them special. They rallied behind Trey Turner all year long. I they ju- love their players. It's they awesome. They have such personalities on yeah. the team. And I got to credit Rob Thompson for that, too, because he's let them be themselves in a way that Joe Girardi just didn't. And when you let your team be the best version of themselves, it brings out the best product on the field, I believe. Absolutely. And it's interesting, too, Rob Rob Thompson coming from Girardi regimes with the Yankees and with the f- first tenure. Um, or the Yes, because he's the manager now. He was the bench coach when Girardi was manager of the Phillies so it's interesting well who says old dogs can't learn new tricks right. that's gonna do it for this edition of nosebleeds I believe we're all in agreement Philly in four mm-hmm. if anything changes like we'll that. have to catch you up to speed we're heading to the championship series soon for Maddie Bimonte and Will Talent I'm Colin Lochran saying so long nosebleeds is a production of WFUV Sports